be the first to say hi. You know, you, you get on the airplane, you sit next to someone. If neither of you say hi to each other at the first minute, the first 10 seconds, it's going to be six hours of awkward silence on the flight. Because, you know, after two hours, you're not going to turn around, hi, nice to meet you. It's, like, it's, yeah, it's even more awkward. So I train and I, I, I really practice it. As I reach out, I, I sit in my place, hey, nice to meet you. I'm being like... Welcome to Chat with Nomads, where we uncover travel insights, business advice, adventure stories, and lifestyle tips with world travelers and digital nomads. Here is your host, Rax, from nomadsunveiled.com. Hi, guys. Welcome to another episode of Chat with Nomads. Today, we have with us the king of digital nomads, Dean Kuchel from Where is Dean? <laughs> Hi, Dean. Welcome to the show. Hey, Rax. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, I laugh every time uh, someone uh, gave me this title, um, but it's good. I'm not against it. <laughs> isn't, isn't this title the one you put on your Instagram? That's why I, I put it as such. <laughs> it's true, but I didn't think it would catch uh, so well. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of an experiment, but it seems to be working. <laughs> it's a bit funny because I don't think anyone uses puts it as like, you know, king of, because it's a bit cringy, right? Because like king of digital nomad sounds a bit weird. But then, then again, then it becomes like a very unique branding for you. Uh, well, I'm, I'm cocky, so I need to show it in one way or another. That's my way for now. But uh, yeah, I, um, I, I did it exactly for this reason, that the fact that no one else is, is doing it and it's like, oh, like, is this position free? I'll, I'll take over, you know? <laughs> um, I started to build this reputation as, yeah. <laughs> Right, right. So it's working. That's that's a good thing. And and I'm very excited to speak to you because we just miss each other in Dubrovnik, right? Last year when you were coming for Chris uh, you were coming for New Year's, right? And I was just leaving after Christmas. Yeah. So I was like, oh shit. And then we didn't get to basically hang out, which I was actually looking forward to. We were even like speaking like almost a month before that, talking about you going over to Croatia. But then we just still managed to miss each other. Yeah, we we, we keep missing each other, but I'm sure eventually um we'll bump into each other. I I have this uh, belief that I put to practice for about 10 years now. And I meet every person twice. Like every person in my life, I know I won't meet them just the first time. I somehow bump into them on a different country and some random flight or lounge or party, co-work space. Um, the, the world is tiny. Uh, nice. Yeah, yeah you, you travel awesome. around a lot, actually. So why not? Uh, let's, let's get the conversation started by having a brief introduction of yourself. Right, like what do you do? Where are you from? Uh, well, Dean um, Kuchel, as you said, I'm 39 if it really matters. I'm eyeing uh, 40 in a few months, getting into this uh, midlife crisis very soon. <laughs> Let's see how we'll do with that. And I've been a digital nomad or a world traveler. I'm not even sure how I define myself anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, for almost uh, nine, 10 years now, I started early 2014 and I've been very out and about my travels and I travel in a very hyper speed every week I would be in a different country uh, different continent from Dubai to Hawaii to Singapore to dinner in New Zealand lunch in Sydney um, so I travel in a very very fast pace part reason is because I enjoy the thrill and part reason because I have this mission to visit all 196 countries of the world and if you want to do it you need to travel fast sometimes and it's been great and I've been posting a lot about all these experiences I, I really live 365 days of, of new experiences, new colors, new flavors, new people. It's been super exciting. All my sensors were overexposed um, and over, you know, overexposed every day. And it's been uh, a very fun experience. And as I started to share my journey, more and more people started to follow and 
wanted to learn about how can you in your 30s travel the world and still uh, make money, finance yourself, have all this fun. Um, I'm also big on financial independence and I build my own uh, financial freedom throughout these travels and thanks to the digital moment lifestyle. So again, I started to accumulate more and more followers and I was happy to share and inspire people to really live their best life, no matter what it, it, uh, it means for them. And I started an online community. It's called Digital Nomads Israel, and it's uh, geared toward Israelis. It's all Hebrew content, and this is something that I'm very proud of. I have 30,000 people who are either uh, inspiring nomads or aspiring to become nomads, and that's uh, beautiful. And where I put most of my time and effort today is really to, I think, change um, the world, uh, whether it means to help individuals to really pursue their best lives, and again, I don't know what it means. It's, it's something different for every person. And then I work lots with governments and businesses now to uh, help them attract digital nomads or speak their language and understand this, this market. So I've been really focusing on all this lifestyle in the past uh, seven, eight years. I was also doing a lot of tech stuff, working with startup companies around account management and customer success. But that the least uh, sexy part uh, about my, my personal story. Yeah, nice, nice. I I've heard about your story quite a bit, and I've definitely heard a lot about the the where is Dean part. Let's just call it that, which is which is basically your branding for almost all your travel and remote work stuff, right? And then, and I definitely want to touch into that. And I love to hear more about community building because that is something that you are also relatively well known for in the digital nomad space. But I have a curious question myself, and I think the audience will also be interested to know your story before that, which you were talking about before twenty fourteen. Uh, when you started traveling, right? I think you were working more in what you say, the startup scene on customer success, right? So what is it that you do before that? And has it, do you still continue doing it? Because I mean, like that's still a good income source, right? For you. So I just recently, like literally like a week ago, um, finished my last contract, ended my last contract. And after more than 20 years of being in this business. I started my first job in tech as I, when I was 14. I started working in computers and networks. Um, that was in the previous century. And it's been, it's been great for me, right? I, I come from Israel, startup nation. A lot of people work in tech. So that was kind of an, an easy step for me to, to go into, into this world. Um, it was good. It was stable. I learned a lot. I met with amazing, super smart people, a very uh, innovative environment over these years, um, definitely gave me a lot of ideas about what's possible and pretty much anything and everything possible because startup is about problem solving, right? Um, there's a problem that you're trying to solve in, in, a, new, in a new way, in a, a different approach. Um, but it served me well. And the way I grew up, the ultimate uh, job you can have is to have a relocation job. So if a company from Israel, we relocate you to New York, to San Francisco, to London, You'll do four or five years there, save some money, maybe have an exit and come back to Israel. Remote work and remote uh, work and travel didn't exist. Uh, again, I was born in 82. This was the ultimate. Go to New York, make it big, come back. And that's what I did. In 2014, I moved to San Francisco. I found uh, a job as a customer success manager for a small startup company. And uh, fortunately or unfortunately, there was an issue with my visa, with my working visa. It took a little bit of time. Um, longer than expected to be confirmed. And in the meantime, the company told me, listen, you cannot stay in the States and work. You need to step out and, and work remote until visa is ready. And that's what I did. And in this three, four, five months, 
that I was working remote. I'd been to like Portugal and Spain and Taiwan and Japan and visiting friends all over Europe. And it's like, and when I finally get the phone call from the company and say, okay, the visa is ready, come, come back to San Francisco. I was already hooked on the digital nomad lifestyle. I, 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 again, I didn't know that I am a digital nomad, but I started to meet more people in coffee shops and some co-working spaces and the laptops and have the conversation. What do you do? And I thought, oh, okay, like this is a thing. And this is when I decided, okay, I'm not going back to the office. I told them, yeah, take it or leave it. And they said um, three words that I remember to the day and I appreciate very much that you earned it. You proved, basically you proved that it's possible to work remote. You still perform the highest level. Clients are happy. We are happy. And this is where I started to work remote. Nice, right, but, nice. Um, yeah, I, I stumbled upon this lifestyle to be yeah to you be turn honest. out to be, a, to be that... a blessing in disguise kind of thing that you have visa <laughs> issues right yeah it, it was not today we see a lot of people try to plan how to become nomads and build online businesses or go remote with their job um and, and it's beautiful and i, I love to see uh, how trending this lifestyle become uh, but yeah it was very different for me and over time i got hooked on the travel more and more i always love to travel i'm a son of uh a mom who's a travel guide leader. So a mm. tour guide leader, she's been traveling since I can remember. Uh, so this travel bug is deep in my DNA. And all of a sudden right. I can combine both passions and it's like, all right, amazing. Right. So since young, you have already been traveling. It's just that post-2014 when you had a job, then it became obvious that, hey, now that I can actually travel and work at the same time, why not, right? And, and Israel is a place that's pretty close to my heart because I spent quite a bit of time there myself when I was younger. And one of the, the, the words that I always co-relate with Israelis is the chutzpah, right? And I see that a lot in the startup scene, in the tech scene, because back then, when I was there, the, the vibe that I got was that people were not afraid to try things because, you know, there's, there's no shame in failure. And, and it's just like, what, one of the jokes I always make is that is that because it's really always have conflicts around the borders, right? There's the idea that you won't know when you're going to die anyway. So why not just try it and then just go for it and do things? And of course, I also met a lot of Israelis on my travels um, because it's also a very common thing for you guys to go for a year of travel after or before going to the military, right? Correct. So it's really travelers always have this reputation or like a stereotype of being like the crazy people. Because you guys are just willing to do whatever for fun and, you know, and, and all this stuff. And, and I'm seeing it, uh, although I see a lot, of, a lot of travelers per se, right? And you run the Digital Nomad Israel group. How is the scene in Israel in terms of like digital nomadism? Do you see a lot of people actually starting to go for long-term travel or what's the vibe like? Yeah, I, I'm sorry if I disappoint you. I'm not one of those uh, crazy wild Israeli backpackers. <laughs> Uh, I mean, definitely like, having fun. And it, as you said, like many go on a year of backpacking around the world after the army service, you want to vent out, you want to see the world, not to think about the conflict and wars anymore. Um, and because Israel is really kind of a closed region uh, between countries that not all of them we have peace agreement with. So we tend to travel because Israel is a tiny country. Um, it's easy to cover. Uh, but in terms of digital and Israel community, and again, it, it, I'm very proud of it. It gives me a lot of pride around the world and respect. And it's amazing to see what it, it became. And we just celebrated four years since I uh, founded it in February, 2018. And it's interesting because it's really started as like, hey, I want to meet digital nomads in Israel or from Israel. The community at the beginning was in English. Now it's all in Hebrew. Um, and it, it, from eight people that I added that I knew, uh, it's now 30,000 and it's growing like a thousand people every month. 
And for the first three years, uh, two and a half years, you see a lot of interest. You know, mostly people in tech are actually making these steps. As much as Israel is very uh, innovative and like edge of the technology and many things, it was not easy for managers and companies to let employees work remote. And Israel is part of this movement of, you see companies like Apple, Microsoft, Google invest so much money into amazing offices that these offices are designed in such a way that you would want to spend as much time. You have laundry service and kindergarten for kids and like just come here in the morning, leave at night. So to today, although now it obviously changed to COVID, thanks to COVID, I don't know how to <laughs> phrase it, but um, more companies are letting go this control and need to have people on location. Um, as much as I'm a fan and a, the biggest advocate of remote work, I'm also aware there are downsides and uh, to, to remote work, right? I'm, I'm not blind to, to the issues and problems that it brings to organizations, culture, and so on. But again, to, to really answer your question, it is growing and it's growing rapidly. And if before it was tech people, now we see uh, teachers and lawyers and accountants and uh, people in HR and in every possible profession, people are looking to convert from a more uh, office-based job to, or office-based business they have into a more um, location independent business. And it, it works and COVID proved everyone, even the most traditional business that it is possible. If you rearrange your tasks in one, in one way or another, yes, if you're a lawyer, but you need to go to court sometimes, it's not, oh, I cannot do it. It's okay, let's find someone else to go to court instead of you, right? Um, so you can live your best life. And, and you know, for every person who wants to travel the world, there is a person who doesn't want to travel the world. Um, <laughs> as true, much as it true. sounds it's weird. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of people, you ask a million people if they, when I started to become a digital nomad, I was so afraid that my colleagues would um, jinx it by going to the management and say, hey, why Dean is traveling and I cannot. But what I learned over time, they say like, yeah, we love your life. We enjoy following your stories. It's crazy. It's fun. It's exciting. But we don't want it to ourselves. We don't want to be in a different country every other week. We don't want to backpack. We don't want to leave off a single carry on. We just enjoy following stories. Right? For that, it was like uh, a reality TV. Uh, what happened in the past year in the Israeli community is the demographic has changed. If before it was single 25 to 35 uh, years old people, mostly male, now it's a 50-50, even a little bit more women in the community, more families, and many more people actually taking actions. You know, a lot of people dream, less people do, but I see that the ratio is changing and more people do, more people pursue their dreams. As the world is going crazy with unfortunate wars and COVID, people understand hashtag YOLO, it's time to live our best life, like <laughs> not waiting anymore. And that's the right approach. But unfortunately, most of us need something very painful to happen in order for us to make this shift in our life rather than say, oh, it will be so pleasant to travel the world. Uh, it doesn't motivate most people enough. Mm -hmm. That's my long I'm answer actually, to your short question. <laughs> that, that's actually a very detailed answer. I'm, I'm curious about like, and since you have a group, right, and we, we do see in other digital nomad groups about like uh, common problems or questions or challenges that, that well, if you call newcomers have, when they want to start a remote life, right? So in your group, what are the what are the common queries that you usually see uh, from others? I'll break it down into two through three pieces, right? So it's first would be the mindset. Um, most people are not in the right mindset to pursue something like that because it does require some work. 
whether you need to change your career to pursue a new job that allow you to do it remote, change your profession. It could be that you worked in one thing for 10 years and now you need to do a career change. That's not an easy mental exercise. Um, so I'll, this is where I think people mostly need help. Push them to pursue their dreams, to show them that it's possible and yeah, and make it happen for themselves. Like no one can help you. No one can make the change for you. I can show you how to do it. You need to take action. So this is one big part where uh, I think with that's really the core thing. Then it's about more the practical thing about finding a job or how do I convert? How do I be, I'm a teacher or a private tutor? How do I do it online? Right. Um, so here the answer would be often just do reverse engineering, you know, go search online for a private tutor for an online teacher, see how they do it. Uh, none of us is a paid finder or pioneer. We're not inventing anything. Uh, we're just replicating things that other people do. And this, this is a great thing. The, the information is out there. Uh, an accountant come to say, hey, I cannot do it. A family. Oh, we're a family. It's impossible for us to travel the world. Well, guess what? We have a few hundred thousand family already doing it. Just see how they go about it. Um, so it's a lot, about, a lot about career, how to go remote with an existing job or existing, existing uh, career or business. And then it's the practical questions. What do I do about my SIM card, my phone number? How do I, re how do I retain it? What, how do I go about uh, health insurance and access to banks, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? Uh, these are the common topics that um, people bring up and the topics that people don't like to bring so often. Relationship, <laughs> community, sense of belonging, right? Um, the, the, the heavy stuff, you know, this makes you, you need to be a little bit more authentic, more vulnerable. Not everyone wants to talk about it. I struggle with uh, connection right now. I struggle with relationship as a result of traveling. These things just change for me so much um, as a result of my, my world travel. So we talk, we talk also about this. And, you know, you mentioned this before. Community is important for me. I talk about it often. And I think every nomad, if you've been on the road for enough time, we all understand the, the importance of having people around us. You can call it community or circle of friends or whatever. But um, I got tired over time to meet new people who are just backpacking. And I need to explain to them what I do and see their excitement and to try and inspire them. I want to talk to people, you know, like you, like understand what I do. Doesn't question it, doesn't celebrate it, just leave it. Yeah. <laughs> true, true. I, I think that is one of the draw on why, why people are starting to chase nomadic groups because there's a different vibe there in terms of the travelers there compared to, say, the travelers you meet on the road that are just traveling for a week or something like that, right? And I think that probably is also like a, a sense of belonging that people want to feel like they're part of a community that shares the same values, right? So that is definitely a draw that I'm seeing a lot. And I, I want to touch a bit more about this loneliness uh, relationship community thing. In fact, but well, relationship aside, because I think that is a, a whole other topic if you're start talk, starting to talk about like uh, romantic relationships and stuff, I think everyone knows that that's a complex topic. So the, on this issue, and when you mentioned it just now that it happens on the group, one of the thoughts I think about is that this issue of loneliness is kind of something that you will only feel after having been on the road for, for a while. Like, at least for me, that's the case. But I also, as I read other people's posts, I start to realize that some people gen genuinely worry about that right at the start. Even if you're not talking about digital nomading, just talking about solo travel, right? There are people having all these concerns about, oh, um, can I travel alone? What if I miss my friends and stuff, right? And I do agree that 
uh, in the long run, if you have do, done nomading for a long time, that is always a question that comes in. We are both able to address it based on what I know your lifestyle to be, but I think we represent very different spectrums. So for me, I handle loneliness well because I'm inherently introvert. Like I like my alone time, which is why I don't feel as much of that sort of concern right at the start or not even during the pandemic, right? Like everyone was struggling staying at home. I actually had no issues staying at home and I was like happy with my life. And in fact, I, I thought I it got more sociable during the pandemic because everything was happening online. So there were like Zoom outings or Zoom chats or whatever. And then I'll be there because I'm like, I don't have to go anywhere. I just need to hop onto my freaking computer and I'm done. So I was, I actually got more sociable when I was like during the pandemic, right? You on the other hand is a inherently extrovert person, right? But you have yeah. found a way to basically find communities along the way wherever you go to be able to, you know, solve this problem, right? So how do you, how do you do that? Like, what's your secret sauce to doing that? Or what's the advice for people that are, you know, ha having this concern? Okay, I'll give you again a long answer. And I love what you say. And uh, obviously, it's very personal. It's we're talking about feelings, right? And we, we are going right now through experiencing the greatest pandemic in our history. And I'm not talking about COVID, I'm talking about loneliness because loneliness is not something reserved only for digital nomads, but even people who live in cities, live with people in their house, go to the office. Uh, we feel loneliness for various reasons because of digital media, social media, because we, we watch, you know, we see these people that live different life and uh, you have the FOMO effect. And a lot of people starting to be pushed aside uh, for mainstream uh, because of that. And we, I believe that the problem of loneliness will solve will solve itself. Meaning that if everyone will be lonely at home, eventually they will say, "Well, I I I don't want to be lonely, so I'll go meet people." So if it will, will reach this tipping point, people will start to to actually go out, and there will be more services and ways to to communicate. Now, uh, as an extrovert, it is a little bit easier for me to form connections. I I'm this weird guy that will start up to a random person on the train station, on the airplane, the airport, their lounge, etc. Um, I was not always like this. It's a muscle that I had to train over time. Uh, one advice I can give uh, the listeners is to be the first to say hi. You know, you, you get on the airplane, you sit next to someone. If neither of you say hi to each other at the first minute, the first 10 seconds, it's going to be six hours of awkward silence on the flight. Because you're not, after two hours, you're not going to turn on, hi, nice to meet you. It's like, it's, yeah, it's even more awkward. So I, I train and I, I, I really practice it. As I reach out, I, I sit in a place, hey, nice to meet you. I'm being like, I, I came up with a set of questions that I keep repeating. I, I made it simple for myself. You know, are you also traveling solo? Are you also uh, going home or visiting for the first time the XYZ destination? Um, and also, it's, see how I phrase the question. Do you also? By putting the also there, I basically, I am the first to share information. Mm. I already told you what I'm doing, where I'm going. If I travel solo or not, now I'm interested to know if you are. And that automatically makes people a little bit more comfortable. You know, it's like if, if we talk about salaries, which is like a taboo and no one will tell you how much they make. But if you tell someone, hey, I make $3,000 a month, how much you make, this might make them way more comfortable to answer this question. Um, so also like share information um, in the question. And um, the beauty of, of solo travel, it pushes you out of, of your comfort zone, right? And uh, you heard this quote, if anyone listened to me before, they heard this quote. Paul mentioned this, I think, on, uh, on your podcast as well. 
saying that uh, I travel solo, but I don't travel alone. Like you, it's rarely that I am alone. Like literally this morning I had coffee with friends. I was in the gym with people I know. Then I had lunch with friends. I'm talking to you. I think there's always something going on. Uh, just if I want to participate or, or not. Um, and, and the more I participate in these events and meet people, the more I enjoy it. Of course, it's, it's personal, but I have this uh, say yes belief. Like I say yes to anything and everything and all the experiences that happen to myself are as a result of me saying yes. And, and it means that, hey, Dean, there is a Toastmasters event on Wednesday. Do you want to come? And I would say yes. Right? Even if I don't know what Toastmakers means, I would say yes. And every time there's like, ah, should I go? I just got home. I'm tired. Yes, you go. And I'm going. And never in my life, I came back and I said, what a waste of time. Every time I return from such events, like, wow, so good, such luck. I'm so happy that I say yes to this event. Um, there is a, a Tantra dating event that I was invited to next week that I will attend. I was in a men and women's circle about uh, authenticity and connection last week. I'm going kickboxing for the first time tomorrow. Um, I, I, all the time, I'm saying yes to new experiences, new things, and it enriched my life, my knowledge, my experience, my horizon, and take care of this loneliness because you really never lonely. It's, it's in our nature to connect with people. It's only that we, are, we feel a little bit shy to, to participate and to say yes. So this is what we need to, to get overall. And yeah. That's interesting because when I hear you talk about this say yes and very early in this podcast, I think for the listeners, that's like episode four or something. I was talking to uh, Lainey, which is a, a, who is a world schooling parent with his uh, with her kid and this was actually their mantra to traveling around the world it was like to say yes to everything as long as it obviously there are some values that you know they will follow but ultimately the whole idea was to say yes to experiences and yes to everything that they can say yes to right and that actually basically changed their life right? and today they are still traveling around the world and stuff and i think that reflects also back to maybe the episode with paul on like what exactly is travel, right? And, and we start looking at more about experiences versus uh, places and things like that. And it's not to say that you don't visit places or you don't visit the famous landmarks. It's just that sometimes there's a lot of value to be found when you're meeting people and going for activities versus just sightseeing or visiting. Uh, I encourage the, the listeners to go back to this episode and listen to your conversation with Paul about it. It was a very interesting conversation about really what is travel and travel changes. But, you know, we always tend to be nostalgic about how things used to be when we were young. Our parents, like, oh, when I, we were young, we had no phones, we were playing outside. Like, it's always like this. And you know what? The world is moving forward. We, we become more progressive, more the, the technology is better, like quality of life is better for more people. Um, so it's easy to be nostalgic. I travel... Honestly, I don't really go to many uh, landmarks. Like I can go spend a month in Paris and probably not climb the, the Eiffel Tower. But um, it's part of travel and there's nothing wrong about it. And there's no right or wrong uh, way to travel. Yes, I spend some countries, I spend only three days in. Some I spend eight months in. Um, obviously, the experiences are different, but one is not wrong. I have, at the end, we all cover the same ground in our lifetime. Meaning you can, you know, if I have, 10 years to travel, I can be in 10 countries and spend one year in each country or I can deeply explore it, see every street and adventure and landmark. Or you can see 100 countries for two, three weeks each. You still see the same ground. You still meet the same amount of people. You, see, you still have the same amount of dinners and lunches and experiences. And so 
it's really what what works for every person and it changed for me at, at first i traveled very fast then i started to slow down now i'm in bali i've been here almost uh for two years throughout the pandemic and i am making this my home base um so i i don't like to talk about almost about any topic in the world in terms of right or wrong or good or bad right it's it's a feeling and that's what dictate my travels i go to kosovo it's wonderful i stay two three days of rain i don't like it i leave I go to Colombia, I fall in love with the place or I fall in love with the girl, I stay. I don't travel the world as much as I live my life in, in the world, right? Like, I just live my life. I go places, have lunch, dinner, find my restaurants, find my bartender, I go to the cinema, I have my office space, a co-working space, a co-living space, etc. And yeah, and it's just when it feels right. And I think that that's the beauty. This, this is what makes digital nomad lifestyle so lucrative and sexy because you have this freedom to go places where they treat you best and you feel happy. I don't like winter that much. I haven't experienced winter. I experienced one winter in, in eight years. Right? Actually, um, that's, that's hearing you say that, and, and this analogy just came into my mind, it's, it's very interesting because I think, I think for a lot of non-nomads, they see travel as a specific activity that you perform. You know, sometimes you need to pre-plan it and everything. But for people who are very spontaneous, which you sound like to be, it almost becomes like a grander scale of living daily life. That means it's almost like you from Bali going to, I don't know, like Berlin tomorrow. It's the same as me saying that, hey, tomorrow I'll go to the hawker center, I'll go to the shopping mall to check something out. It's just that it's an expanded scale, right? The whole world is basically the neighborhood. You know what I mean? So Perfect. that is how I'm hearing you say Exactly. It. It's a scale. I always say for me to up on an airplane, it's like what most people to get on the bus. Or go yeah. on the subway on the train. It doesn't matter for me. And people, I, I remember that I used to when I was much much younger, when I was eighteen. I I always was very spontaneous. And like I would come back home after uh, being in traffic for half an hour, an hour, and someone would say, "Hey, come to come, let's go out." And it's another hour drive. I would say, "Yes, let's go." Like, like it's energy and it's not being lazy. But I was always spontaneous. Let's go to Barcelona this weekend. Yes, let's uh, go go kart. Yes. And what my best friend at the time told me is like, Dean, you like to think that you are spontaneous, but you are not spontaneous at all. You're actually a very planned spontaneous. And you know what? He was right. Because in, when I wake up, I already have the idea that I might go skydiving today, that I might go out tonight, that I might fly somewhere today. I'm ready for this. I'm ready for everything. So I'm not really spontaneous. Let's, let's, let's go skydiving. I say yes, it's because in a way it's already in my head. So spontaneous, but not really spontaneous. And it goes back to saying yes. All the good things in my life happen to, from, from saying yes. All the experiences. Obviously, if you just sit on your sofa all day and say no, 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 no to everything, you will stay sitting sit on your sofa. And we, we, we are programmed naturally by society and culture to say no or, or ask a lot of questions. Like it, 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 if you ask me, hey, do you want to come on my podcast? I, I'm not going to ask you questions. Hey, what are we going to talk about? How long it's going to be? When? No, like, hey, then let's do it. Yes. Okay, now I, I'll, let's plan it. Do you want to go to Bali? Yes, I want. Now I will ask questions. Not people first ask a lot of questions, and that's what turned them away from doing, taking action, right? Do, do you want to, to be a digital nomad? wait, but isn't it difficult? And do you need to find a remote job and how much money you need to become this? And how do you travel? And what about insurance? No, they should be, yes, I want to be a digital nomad. Let's see how I do it. And the reason I operate this way is also because I first want to move the opportunity to me. 
Okay, you get a call on a Friday afternoon. Hey, Dean, do you want this job? If you hesitate and you say no or maybe, and then Monday morning you, you call back and say, you know what? Yes, I want this. They will tell you, I'm sorry. This opportunity is gone. We gave it to the next person. If you yeah. say yes at the moment, the opportunity is yours. Now, ball is in your court. You, you're in control. So it's a little bit of what goes through my head when I, when I say yes. Well, that's, that's very interesting because that principle is what I hear a lot, like you mentioned, on the business side of things, right? Take the deal and then figure out how the hell to solve it and deliver the product, right? Rather than thinking too much and when you don't take the deal and then the opportunity might be gone. And that's very interesting when you deploy it on a life's perspective, but it does have that change in mentality because the moment you say yes, then now you're committed, right? And then you'll figure out how to do it versus like pondering over whether you should do it or not. Yeah, everything needs to start with a yes. And even when I talk to countries, uh, that's actually even more difficult. Policymakers talk about visas for nomads. And I see so much hesitation. Um, and, you know, speaking to even to Korea, in Croatia, in one of the digital nomad weeks, I just just say yes, like stop being afraid. Like it's not that like 10 million digital nomads going to flood the country and make this home and steal all your jobs. No, it's like to try. Uh, you can always, especially... Everything is reversible, all right? Everything in life, in a way, is reversible or you can change it. Um, you take a job, you don't like it, nothing happened. You went to Barcelona. It's not fun. You can, oh, sorry, Barcelona. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love Barcelona. <laughs> just to put it there. Great city. Um, so like, it's, I don't know, it's just so easy. But I, I go back, it's mindset because really everything else is easy. Right, that, that's a very deep insight. I think that, that can really be put into practice. And the way I hear you say it, and I think, I think you will agree with this and for the listeners, is that it's not an instant change. It's something that you keep putting into practice. And as you do it more and more, you will start to realize, like be conscious of what your mind is thinking whenever you're offered like an event or an opportunity, then you'll realize that, hey, why am I hesitating? Or what's the worst that could go wrong? And as you put more and more practice into it, it gets to a more natural state of like just jumping on, onto opportunities and things that are happening. Is that a case for you? We people naturally tend to fear of of the worst, right? Like uh, we always fear of the worst option instead of thinking about what if we succeed. There is this uh, beautiful Erin uh, Hanson, and I'm reading it just off the screen right now. I brought it up. Um, this saying, this quote says, "There is a freight. There is a, there is freedom waiting for you on the breezes of the sky." And you ask, what if I fall? Oh, but my darling, what if you fly, right? So we always think about what if I'll fail? What if I'll fall? Instead of thinking about what if I succeed? And when I, even myself, 10 years into this journey, when I want to, to start a new project, new business, anything, even going into forming friendships and relationships, I don't think about the worst. Like I, I all the time think about what if we will succeed? How beautiful this business will be, this friendship will be, if it will succeed. It's really more of a positive mindset of not thinking about what happened the worst. First of all, for, for the reason that statistically, it's not that bad, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, we, we, we go travel in Mexico, or Honduras, El Salvador, um, countries that earned the, their name on a list of very dangerous countries, all of homicide rate, et cetera. But in practice, your chances of getting mugged or something happened to you are almost zero and almost equal to any other country in the world. 
But people still travel with this 0.0001% risk in their mind. They fear all the time. They travel in fear. And I'm not saying you shouldn't be worried your environment, but really chances are fairly low. But we live based on this. And so, again, with, with businesses, and oftentimes if you carry this negative thought with you, so obviously it will be a negative result because this is how you think about it. Right? If, I'm going to, if you stand in front of a basket and try to make uh, a shot and all you can think is like, I'm going to miss it, I'm going to miss it, I'm going to miss it, guess what? You are going to miss it. Um, this inner belief is inc- important because it gives us the energy to, to operate. You cannot, and this is very important for anyone listening, you cannot succeed while operating on the assumption that you're going to fail. Mm. That's a that's a very interesting mindset trick because that is not something that I think about uh in my repertoire of like positive mindset, but that's definitely something to to practice and look into because I do agree that if you keep keep thinking about the worst, it also creates the problem of hesitation in execution because you will keep thinking about it. And and this morning when I was running, I was just listening to a podcast as well that might fall in line with the same tip that you're talking about is to basically plan for the voice in your head, which means that, and it could even apply to things that are really simple, like on day-to-day, going to the gym and you just wake up and like, shit, I don't really want to go to the gym, you know? So, so there is always this negative voice that, that will come up. And if you plan for that negative voice as well, that is how you actually push yourself to be able to get past that and not like judge yourself for that negativity, right? And these two tips kind of, I think can work together very well to become a very powerful execution factor for for a lot of people that I, I don't ignore the risk and i plan for the worst but i hope for the best right but elon musk uh, doesn't try to build rockets and go to mars on an assumption that it's going to fail he knows that good chance actually pretty good chance now more chances it will fail than it will succeed yet he operates on the assumption that it will succeed on this one percent you you gotta keep this positive mindset um I personally won't keep negative people around me. You know, it's like, I don't, I don't want this uh, energy around me. Um, and I'm a result. Um, you know, people might say I'm successful. I made it happen for myself, whatever I built for myself in a very good place. But I'm a result of all the people I, I met. Everything I know, I learned from someone. I was mm-hmm. born stupid. I was born zero knowledge, dumb. I remember my first day in the hospital was looking around, what is going on, <laughs> you know, who are these people? But from that moment, I started to soak knowledge and information from people. And yep. everything I know is thanks to, to the amazing people that I surrounded myself with. Awesome, awesome. And, and I want to talk a bit about uh, two things that I think they will co-relate to each other. One is your travel style, and the other one is the idea of building communities or even engaging in communities, right? Because uh, you are known for that. You, not just on your Facebook groups, but physically you are able to go into a digital nomad community in any country and because of your personality, obviously, <laughs> be able to like create an impact or stand out. And I think that also affects how you travel because now, as I understand, yes, you have the objective of hitting all the countries, but you also travel for people more than for the place, right? So how are you gauging now on like your travel pace or what drives you to move or not move? And then when you go to a new place, how is it that you put yourself into a community setting in that particular region? Yeah, it's a great question and a very good and interesting times for me. Um, I'm changing. I'm changing. Like I'm, I'm mature. I'm getting a little bit tired of the constant travel. Uh, again, I was traveling eight years nonstop on a carry-on. 
um, 50, 60 flights a year, 30 to 35 countries a year. It was insane. And, and everyone told me, you, it's insane what you do. It's pretty crazy. And I didn't see it until I stopped. And after I stopped because of the pandemic for one year, and then I looked like that, wow, like, did I really travel like 50 flights? <laughs> like, it, it gets, you understand what, what, what I did there. And uh, m- most pilots don't fly 50 flights a year. <laughs> I could probably earn a license, a pilot license with all the hours I spend in, in, in an airplane. Uh, but anyway, I like to be driven around. So, yes, I was operating a lot on uh, quantity. As you said, visit all 196 countries of the world, travel for people, not for the places as much. And I was, I would go into a community, I would create events. I was like, hey guys, let's meet up, I'll do meetup, or go travel, let's go explore, whatever, let's work together. And I love to connect people. I like to make these connections between the people I know. It's something that I've been doing um, way before I was traveling. I, every weekend, I would open my house on a Saturday. I invite people from, from school, from college, from work, from life. And I'll just create this mesh up uh, and connection between friends. And it's beautiful because you see so many sparks um, created and so many new friendships come to life. And I still try to practice this as much as I can as I travel. Uh, with this being said, something has changed in me in the last few few months, last year. From quantity, I'm, I'm, I'm switching into quality. So I have a lot of friends and probably more than 100,000 of people that I met throughout the years, but I created very shallow connections with them. I see, I still see them as friends. I care for them. For most, I'll probably uh, answer the phone at the middle of the night to help. But um, something is missing. There is no this, there is no depth to this relationship. We don't touch um, deeper uh, conversations. And this is what I'm working on. This is why I'm in Bali. This is why I chose to make Bali my, my, my home base. Meet the same people. It's sensational for me. It's the first time in my life that I have dinner week after week with the same people. And it, it, it's already different. You know, it's a different level of friendship. You start to have uh, memories together. And it, not, not every conversation is, it's not an introduction to who I am and who you are. It's, you start to have history and past experiences and it's it's very special and I'm learning to to do it because I actually a little bit lost this uh, this muscle. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I think for now, I think for the next, um, I mean, I'm building a house here in, in Bali, so I'll definitely be here for the next year. Um, focus on on building this network, and I don't know. I, I'm sure we'll go back to travel. I don't know if it will be with the same force at the same pace. Something has changed. But you never know. Like you know, I can meet my soulmate, and she's like, "Hey, let's let's go travel. I want to travel. I'll be happy to do it." So I go back. I still haven't explored enough of Africa. There are more than fifty-five countries that I need to visit there. So that's. But I'm not in a race. I'm not trying to be the first Jewish Israeli short digital nomad guy to visit all 196 countries <laughs> of the world. So um, I, at my own pace, I'm at 103 right now. So there's like 93 more countries to go. Uh, yeah, things change, and that—that's the beauty also of travel. I don't resist um, those changes. Yeah, I, I'm actually curious about this because, um, hearing from what you are saying, previously you were building acquaintances. Let's put it that way, with more rapid yep. fire activities in certain places. What what was it that do, I say? Like, how do you define it previously? What because when I hear about it, like. For me, it sounds tiring. Like, having to go, but of course, we are very different people, right? But the moment I hear, I'm like, shit, if I have to go to every single place and have to organize a new event from scratch, because then you need to build the connections with like the place that you want to host a thing, right? The restaurants and whatever. Whereas if you build specifically only at one place, it becomes easy, right? Because the system is there. 
and you just need to basically get people to come and market the event kind of so-called market but then um but what was it that attracted you to create like events all around the world and stuff was it like the same backpacker travel adrenaline rush um, I, I don't know if I can, can compare this specifically to that, but it was just, there, there was a rush in it. There was a lot of adrenaline. There was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, I was building following. So that was also nice to see the number grow. More people follow you as, as, and it's become easier because when I go a place now, I already know people. Either they know me or as, as they follow me, or I just know them because we met before in different places and we members of online communities. Um, with my community, Digital Nomad Israel, and I, I, I just did a six months, 18 countries tour to say hi to a lot of friends around the world. And everywhere I go, I meet people from my community. And it's amazing because sometimes I would meet them, yeah, because they tell me online that they are also in Panama, so we meet there. And in Iceland, I walked in my underwear into the Blue Lagoon and all of a sudden there's a guy say, hey, dude, what's up? Like, I didn't even know who's this. <laughs> a good guy from my community. So it, it's become easier and easier as I became more dominant in, in the digital nomad international community. So it's, it's not, uh, I, I don't see it difficult, the, the logistics, not at all. And people strive for connection all the time. So if you just say, hey, guys, let's, let's meet today for dinner. So you'll start with four or five people and then the next week it will be 10 and the word will spread out and you can make something um, something bigger. Uh, thankfully, I was in, in a position that uh, I have knowledge and experience that people would like to learn from and, and listen to. So pe people want to ask questions. People want to talk to someone who's been on the road for six, seven, countries, six, seven years and 100 countries and done it for so long. Um, and I'm happy to, to spread the word and help people. So it also helps. Um, but yeah, it's, I never thought about it. I never like, you know, dealt with this question i was just like i just do it it's just i'm i operate very selfishly like meaning i don't I, I do things because i want to make other people happy and excited but at the end at the very core it's because i want to meet people and I, it makes me happy to meet people so first of all hey i want to meet people let's do this event as a result other people enjoy it as well but i i'm a very selfish person that sounds i mean from a third party point of view, I'm, I'm listening to you and it just sounds like very second nature for you to be doing all this stuff. You know, like, I, I guess one of one way to put this is like, for you, you are a natural connector. Like, you just like to bring people together and do all these things. Like, for me, logistics is like, I freaking hate logistics and I totally don't like to organize the stuff because of all the need to like, oh, handle these and operations and stuff. You see, so, so I think it comes very second nature to you and your personality and that. There basically and i think that's what works right this is probably one thing that i think is hard to train because it's really your personality and what you like to do right you can't say that hey let me go and like, i can't say that hey let me go and try and do a lot of these and force myself to enjoy it when i don't right so so this is what i i hear and i think it's very interesting um i want to I want to ask you about Bali then because now I'm hearing some new juicy information about you building a house in Bali. I don't think it's a surprising choice to a lot of people because Bali is obviously a digital nomad hub and has been. But why Bali though? Like, is there any specific reason? Uh, there are many places around the world that I love and I would like to call home, uh, but I need to start with somewhere. I mean, I love Medellin, Colombia. It's a city that I would love to, to have a base in. I love Sydney, Australia. I love Montreal despite the cold. Uh, Tel Aviv, uh, great city, uh, Porto in Portugal and on. So there are a lot of options, but I had to start somewhere. And 
I, I made the choice to come to Bali when the pandemic, when COVID-19 started. And it's been amazing. And I got to see sides of that and that I haven't seen my previous visits. And I saw the community here and the magic that Bali has, uh, the tradition um, that the, the locals have here, the Balinese tradition. Food is great. Internet is excellent. Uh, weather, it's pretty much summer all year long. Um, large expat community and not just young people, but you know, as I'm also getting older, like there are people my age, people in their 50s, there are families here, there's infrastructure to support this. And cost of living, of course, you know, and it's not as cheap as Thailand and Philippines, but you get a very uh, high quality of, and, of life and comfortable life. Um, you know, I, I don't even know what in terms of budget uh, to have, but I spend probably, I don't know, two to three thousand dollars a month here, but I live very, 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 very comfortable, like extremely comfortable okay like i have a maid i do i do massage every day i go to like one of the nicest jeans i bought a scooter um like you can pro you can live for less i think the, the minimum to live in bali is thousand three hundred dollars um but with two thousand or more you can live really really lavish lifestyle in this place and yeah and, and building here you know like the same money that it cost me to build a nice luxurious villa in portugal or in Sydney or in Tel Aviv, I could probably get a parking spot or <laughs> or, or or a studio apartment. Israel, Tel Aviv, if, if the listeners are not aware, uh, Israel and Tel Aviv is the most expensive city right now in the world. The currency is very strong. It's not a bad thing. It's it's, it's a result of a strong economy, but it's a million dollar in Tel Aviv doesn't buy you anything today. Mm, um, yeah. Right. So th these are yeah. all the reasons why Bali. Tel Aviv is definitely, or Israel in general, is definitely a bit underrated, in my opinion, regarding, like you say, the startup scene, the tech scene, or the vibrancy of the economy is actually pretty strong. And like you say, but then it, it becomes expensive because of that, right? Um, and, and what what do you do? Like, you acquire a plot of land and then you're building on top of it, is it? Why don't you just buy a house? That's what I'm wondering. Wouldn't it be easier? Uh, yeah, it, it would be easier. It would be um maybe a little bit more expensive you don't acquire the land here you lease it for 30 40 50 years and i chose to build because for many 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 years i had this real estate fantasy uh like a nice villa with my own design like i see myself sitting in a certain sofa and a certain balcony next to a certain pool with a certain speaker with a certain whiskey and <laughs> I, I i i can do it and why not and you know i i'm a minimalist i haven't spent a lot of money at all in the last six seven years i really saved money thanks to that and and this allowed me to now build my dream home and, and it's a fun project to go through this it's you know people ask me why do you travel as so i say because it's something to do and why build a house because it's something to do so <laughs> like, I'm, I'm bored you know you need to do something with life with your time um so and that, that's a fun project uh, it's a passion project and um yeah, I don't think, I don't know if I will live here forever. I don't know if even when I live here, I'll spend a full year. It's, it's an adventure. And again, if it's good, I'll stay. If it's too rainy, I'm out. I definitely see myself living in other places around the world. And um, again, you, you never know where, when, where life will, will take you. I have family in Israel, nephews, parents, sisters. I have, uh, uh, you know, I might find a girl, meet a girl from a different country and, and move there. Never know. It's, it's very interesting because I think and it's a very great time for me to speak to you now because now obviously hearing from your story you are at the transition point between one phase to another phase of your life or if we could 
just very broadly put it in a digital nomad sense it's like you know the early nomads are traveling 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 and then they hit a point of so-called like i wouldn't say burnout maybe some of them yes but some of them are just feeling like hey it's time to settle down so we we both know johnny or i know of him at least i don't speak to him personally but he also bought a house in ukraine and then of course we know about the war thing but uh, within this period of COVID, while a lot of remote workers actually, or a lot of people actually shift to remote work and wants to become digital nomads, what's interesting is that I'm seeing a lot of digital nomads that have been in the scene for a long time starting to move towards settling down, right? And I'm not sure if this was the effect of the pandemic because remote work allows people to travel a lot. But then for those that were traveling, COVID actually halted travel, right? And then you're forced to stay in a certain place. And you start to realize that hey, this maybe doesn't feel too bad at all because then you are experiencing a bit of the stability of being in one place, right? Is it the same case for you? Yeah, it, it is the same case. Uh, and I believe that if no COVID, I would probably still be traveling full force on. Um, it's just the fact that I was enough time in Bali, all of a sudden I have the time to go see lands. When you spend a, a three weeks in Portugal, you don't have the time for properties. Um, I mean, it's a maturity. It's also a financial goal that I uh, mark that I uh, that I achieved. So it allows me to even think about um, going into a project like this. So for everyone, COVID changed things. We all had to slow down on on the travels, um, and I'm sure people will go back to travel. And all the uh, people in the tourist tourist uh, tourism industry they say that we will see numbers in next year that suppress any other year before that in terms of tourism. So I'm, I'm sure people will start move again. Uh, no, the country, still, the, the world still have restrictions, flight are not on the uh, best schedule, and now we have the, the war. So I hope the world will go back to more normality, like uh, pre-2020 situation, and I'm sure people will, will go. I always knew that the uh, lifetime value of digital nomad lifestyle, the way I live it, is about five to seven years. And just because I was listening to a lot of podcasts, meeting to a lot of people, I did a lot of research, and it's a question that always all the time people ask me, when until will you travel like that? And talking to people and reading blogs, etc., I learned that it's five to seven years mark that most people say like, okay, um, enough, they want to settle, they want to have family, etc. Uh, whatever reasons, it's just tiring. Uh, and I squeeze this lemon as much as possible because I travel really, really fast. Um, but yeah, I, I think I will go back to travel in, in a year or two, um, do another year of like uh, extreme, extreme travel. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think it's, it, it, don't, don't bet that digital nomads won't travel as fast and as often uh, anymore. I think it will increase and go back to, to normal numbers very, very soon. And we see way more because now you have millions of people that work remotely and have the freedom to, to move from one place to another. But I, I can definitely say that statistically I'm the outlier and I haven't met anyone throughout my travels that travel as fast as I am. Uh, most people stay a month, two months in one place and I totally understand why. And so, yeah, I don't even recommend people to do what I did. It's, uh, <laughs> there, there, is, no. it, it is, there is a toll on your body, on your, you know, my, my sleeping patterns, gotta hit. Um, yeah, there are dark sides to the digital nomad lifestyle as a whole, not just fast travel. Um, you know, we, we touched a little bit of this community and loneliness and relationship. Um, there, there are dark sides to this. Yeah, uh, um, th this question about 
when are you going to do it until, right? This is actually a very common question that I think probably a lot of nomads get asked, right? And, and it's something that I always say when we talk about these topics, even when we talk about travel and stuff, right? It's a context that speaks to a certain definition. But ultimately, I think it's, it's helpful for the listeners to always understand that I don't think digital nomadism or the gist of it has always been about travel. It has always been about freedom. So it's not about when I'm going to finish it or how long I'm going to do it, but it's having to build it up to the ability so that I have the ability to do it or not to do it whenever or wherever I want. You know, uh, because there has been a lot of questions of people asking like, oh, is it weird that now I feel like staying put in one place? Is it weird that if I only travel for a year? Is it weird if I travel for six months or if I stay in a place for six months and then I travel only for a month and stuff like that, you know? I think, I think, yes, there's some people are looking to fit a certain definition and that's always a context of discussion in real world. But ultimately, when we look at this and if you look at across the spectrum of everyone that's trying to pursue a remote lifestyle, I think the essence has always been the freedom of choice. It has never been about a certain definition of how, I, how long should I be here, how long should I be traveling and all this kind of stuff. It's just a fun topic to talk about, but it's actually never the gist of it. I, I agree with everyone. I, it's all about freedom and freedom of choice. And for me, freedom doesn't mean to be able to go anywhere I want. It's actually the freedom to stay where I want. Like the best part of this lifestyle is not the fact that I can be in a different country every week. It's actually the fact that I came to Bali and I say, wow, I really like this place. I really like the community here. I can stay. This is the biggest freedom of this lifestyle. And digital nomad, if we really go back to the core and look at the definition, the definition is not a, a digital nomad, someone who's nom living nomadic lifestyle, not at all. A digital nomad is a person who can perform their uh, duties and work using digital means. It has nothing to do, and, and in a location-independent manner, right? It has nothing to do with travel. If I tell you, uh, listen, Rick, you must travel, then I take from you the main, the, the, the first amendment of, of being a digital nomad, the freedom to choose. Like, no, I don't want to travel. I like it here, but I still work remote. I still location-independent. I choose to be here. So, and I see a lot of people trying to prove that they are digital nomads by traveling. No, like, it's a mindset. You can not travel once in your life. You can work from home and you're still a digital nomad. Uh, and again, in your mindset, if you have the, the freedom, as long as you do what you, you, you want and make sure that you have fun in the process. Um, this is for me what digital nomad lifestyle about. Like, this is a way and a tool to win at life, to live my best life. Thanks to remote work that allow me levels of freedom that me or my parents or previous generation never had. Like uh, I talk about four freedoms nowadays. I control time, I control location, I control weather, and I control governments now. So if I don't like the time, if I want to be, you know, if I want to be active during the day or night, I can change time zone. If I don't like the weather, I can move wherever, wherever, uh, wherever I want. Okay, a location obviously. And if I don't like the government, I'm not waiting for election day. I just get on an airplane and in two hours, I'm changing governments. <laughs> and this is, this is it's, it's an exercise that I suggest anyone will try it. You know, we, I, I saw it, you know, coming from Israel, it's always politically charged and everywhere in the world in the past uh, 10 years, it's been, um, especially with COVID, but even before, shifts in power everywhere. And people spend lifetime waiting for a change in the country. People spend lifetime waiting for a change in the government or the hope that the government will do something for them. Like only if X, Y, Z will be in power, my life will be so much better. Well, if, if, if you 
and this is, by the way, something that Johnny FD also strongly believe in, and Johnny FD been an inspiration for me throughout my, my digital nomad journey. If you expect the government to change your life, you are doing something wrong with your life. You know, like people go to the, to the poll and vote and hope that something will change and nothing changed. <laughs> nothing changed. Governments are important for minorities. They help the people as a minority, definitely very important. But if, if you're capable of making money, if, you, if the opportunities are there for you, um, there's no reason to trust. And, and I change governments and I go where I'm feeling best. Also with COVID, I go where I have the least restriction. Life in Bali was amazing. Like uh, restaurants open, bars, co-works. I've been out every day, not a single day of lockdown, um, et cetera. So this is for me now where I am at and what's going on with the world. I don't care for the news. I, I read headlines just so I know what's happening, but I don't care for all the other opinions and what they think. And I still don't understand how a person that doesn't know me, I never met them. I have no interest in meeting them. They call themselves prime ministers. Okay. How they change my life. Who gave you the power to limit my movement, to tell me what to do? Like, no, I'm like, I have the same rights on this planet as you are. Um, and, but that, that's, that's a, a bigger... <laughs> I, I know bigger when, I, when I listen to you say this, because it's a very interesting topic to talk about, but I also know that it's a huge topic and largely controversial in some sense because there are obviously people yeah. who believe in that, which is why, you know, protests and whatever all happens, right, is to change certain things. Yeah, but, but I do agree with you on that, on that, that when you can hold your own faith in your own hands, that is the best, right? Like, like and, and I segment my freedom into three categories, which is sort of different from the way you segment it, but I definitely hear what you're saying. For me, I always broke it down into financial, geographical, and mental freedom, right? It's the ability to not be so affected by our emotions to do anything crazy. It's the ability to have location independence that's geographical, and it's the ability to have financial independence. That's the three things that we always talk about. And I, I do know that there are communities like that that are always looking at being able to decentralize everything. Let's just call it that way or as much as possible. So you are not bound to one certain event happening to you and then changing like your whole thing. It's almost like diversifying your income stream and stuff like that. Yes. Yeah. Right. I, I don't it's go into topic. like, it, it's another hour and a half conversation. Yeah. I don't go into like, new world order and conspiracies i don't think the governments are trying to screw me all the time and steal my money or, or monitor all of my steps i i actually happy to give all my data to the government um i don't i don't i actually not big on bitcoin and crypto at all i don't think it's a good change um uh, not in the right setup at least but i'm just saying there is a game that the politics that they played i don't need to play it. i don't have to participate I still enjoy the passport, the freedom of movement that it gives me, but I made sure that, yes, I have dual nationality. I have bank accounts in four countries. I have multiple streams of income. I've built this um, system that even if something happens in one place or one currency, or, like, I'm protecting myself from these events. It took a lot of time to, to build it, to understand these ideas. Um, but I operate today with a lot of confidence and uh, not a lot of fear. Right. But again, I'm not against governments or I'm not challenging the system that much. I just say I don't have to fully participate yeah. In, yeah. in your game. And the beauty that if before only those who can live like this was the, the ultra rich people, right? They could get away with anything they want. Now, almost any person can do it. And I love it that I can offer my gig on Fiverr and any kid in Africa with access to the internet can offer the same thing from Africa. So 
it, the internet and the remote work open opportunity to billions of people that didn't have this opportunity before. Yeah. And that, that, that's the biggest shift that we will see in the next 10 years. And people need to be aware of it that your job is at risk also because someone can offer it for, for less and there's more people coming into the workforce. So again, it's always, uh, it's not good or bad or um, wrong or right, it's just changing, changes. And we want to be prepared. But we, we, now we are, we are really going down the rabbit hole. Yes, These yes. are set of beliefs and things that I operate on. Yeah. <laughs> but this, this is a super interesting topic that I'm passionate about. And I, and I look a lot into this space. But of course, it's a big topic. And, and I think either we'll do another episode about this whole thing itself or we'll take it offline to talk about this because this is very interesting. And I'm sure we have resources and tips to share with each other that will, that will help this path, right? Um, so let's conclude now by... A series of quick fire questions and i think this will be interesting for you brings out the traveler in you um which is your favorite travel destination so far japan why <laughs> uh i think it's the most unique of them all it's very very different than uh any any other culture and any other uh, country i've seen before i mean if you may if you travel soviet countries it's a little bit the same same language if you travel latin america same language food Japan is it's an animal by its own. Uh, also, Iceland for nature. I think it's the most beautiful. Uh, it's, it's just crazy to see four seasons happening in the first time. But Japan would be a place I would love to, to go and see more and more and more and more. Awesome. Uh, what are three of the most useful things in your travel bag, apart from your laptop and handphone, obviously? Uh, interesting. Well, it's probably not... I mean, my underwear, I guess. <laughs> it's not. Um, you know, it, it, phone is pretty it, important. Uh, credit card that is accepted worldwide is nice to have. But I think uh, it's probably not uh, things that much. I mean, I have headphones, which are stuck in my ears for a big part of my day because I enjoy listening to podcasts. I learn about, a lot from it uh, and music. Uh, and of course, the charger. But I think it's, uh, it's actually what I don't have in my carry-on, which allows me to travel and important. Because for me... Uh, being lightweight is really what enables people ask me what's the first first advice I can give them if they want to become digital nomads is become an emailist because uh, you will take a lot of weight, physical weight of your back and also weight from your head and it will make you light to make the decision. Yeah, I can go there. I can do that. Um, so there are a few systems to how to pack your suitcase. People like to roll stuff. People like to fold or people use the vacuum. But actually the best way, in my opinion, to pack your suitcase is to pack less. Um, <laughs> For sure. So, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. a lot of people overpack. And I definitely agree that when you're carrying a lot of stuff, it burdens your mind as well. And I, I've had the experience myself when I started having way more things after the, the, the pandemic than before. Because now when you have a place for a long time, start, suddenly you start to buy stuff. And then when you leave, you're like, shit, why is my backpack now suddenly yeah. like so heavy? Right? <laughs> that, that I definitely agree. Okay. And what is your single most important travel tip? Say yes. It's really, I have to say, especially, it will be tip for life, but when you travel even, uh, even more because you have the opportunity to push yourself out of, out of your comfort zone. And if you travel, you probably already did it, but then you will be bombarded with opportunities and offers. And again, it's, we, we tend to be afraid and worry and be concerned, but no, say yes. The world is a beautiful place. The world is a very safe place. So I will pair the say yes mantra together with turn off the news. I live in a world peace. I turn off the news when I set out of my travels uh, eight years ago. 
And what I discovered is that the world is beautiful. I'm coming from Israel, being Israeli, um, Jewish, always I was, you know, they tried to scare me, don't go to Malaysia, don't go to Indonesia, largest Muslim country in the world. Don't go to Bangladesh, Emirates, wherever. And I went there and I told them, hey guys, I'm from Israel. And they were excited to meet me and they were happy to see me and they were wanting to learn. And I've been again to hundred plus countries on top of those countries. And, and I'm here, <laughs> live, nice. happy, educated, experienced. And, you know, and I said yes to so many things and it, it only rewards. I got mugged in Sarajevo. How do you ask um, well, I wasn't kidnapped, but it was a little bit uh, brutal. And it was actually funny because I went on, a, on one of those walking tours to, to see the city. And at the end of the tour, I told the guy, listen, I'm, I'm going up the mountain to see the old Olympic Park. And she told me, don't do it. They will mug you. <laughs> and you. You walked up there yourself. Yeah, I walked up there. Yeah. That's a bad idea. <laughs> That's a bad idea, yeah. So, you know, so that happened. Uh, it's part of the experience, but really I'm alive and in one piece and people are nice and kind and they want to listen to your story and they want to share theirs. And I, I said it before, I am a result of everything that happened to me. You know, everything I do with the community, I didn't come up with a community, coming up with an online community was not my idea. I met someone else who built the community, told me about, oh, it's a nice idea, no, I'll, I'll do it. Um, awesome. Traveling to all, all 196 countries of the world, that's a guy that I met when I was 25 in Puerto Rico, sat at a bar and he told me that he's on a mission visit all her so that that's implemented the seed in my head um so say yes and turn off the news the news are set to poison you with everything bad that happened around the world and if there are no bad news in your city they will find bad news from somewhere else to give you it's like taking a glass of poison you know we read news in the morning and night typically it's for me it's like taking a, a poison like let me tell you about the murder that you don't care for and that has no impact on your life <laughs> <laughs> cool cool and what's your most important remote work tip um okay remote work to not to nobody's surprise require a lot of discipline uh, but from conversation with uh, and again the, the, it will never be a one word answer with me uh, a lot of people i talk i talk to often think that if they go remote, especially if you work for a company, not for yourself, you don't need to be as good as a team player because you basically work by yourself now, or you're not as good communicator or not as, I don't know what, you know, um, other qualities, but it's actually the opposite. When you go remote and going remote in my opinion is still a privilege, okay? We need to compensate for this distance, for not being in the office. We need to be more of a team player. We need to be more of a communicator to compensate for the distance and to perform at the highest level. Um, I think remote work will be an opportunity for companies to find out who are the best employees. Uh, if you can perform well when you're remote, you can, uh, then, then you're an amazing employee. You, you do what you need to do. You're professional, um, you're disciplined, you're responsible. So people should know remote work require um, a lot of responsibility and doing more so, so that just prepare for it I didn't work less throughout my travels I worked more <laughs> for sure so the last question is how do people find you if they want to follow your adventures or hook up with you or check out like your stuff if you want to know where is Dean and you want to find me you just go on Google and you type where is Dean where is Dean is my Instagram handle um, 
And you can also, uh, we, we leave some links in the description, but you can find me on LinkedIn, Dean Kuchel. Uh, happy to connect over there. Happy to connect uh, through Instagram. These are the best uh, places to, to follow my travels, to join me on travels. If you're around Bali, drop me a line. Happy to meet. And if you have any questions, please reach out. And yeah, that's, I'm, I'm the easiest person to find. I'm pretty much on every <laughs> social, uh, social network. And really happy to to connect with uh, as many world travelers and fellow digital nomads. Sounds good. Sounds good. Thank you, Dean, for taking time out to come on today. I think very interesting chat. And then we'll definitely catch up again soon. Thank you for listening to Chat with Nomads. Please remember to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And be sure to share with your friends. Also, we'd love to know what topics you'd like to hear more about. To stay updated on the latest, join us on our mailing list at chatwithnomads.com. You can also find more travel and nomading tips at Nomads Unveiled. That's N-O-M-A-D-S-U-N-V-E-I-L-E-D.com. Start living your dreams today. We'll catch you in the next episode.